Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we do. We come to you just as we are. But we know when we come to you just as we are, we will not stay like we are. We will be changed in a moment. And this old man will become new. And our Savior Jesus called that being born again. We can come as we are, but we're not going to stay as we are because the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our sins and bring us into the kingdom of God. And to be holy like Christ is holy, Lord, to do our very best. Oh, we'll be sinners. We'll always be sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But, Lord, our lives will change when we come as we are. We'll no longer be drunkards or drug addicts, or, or many other sins, liars and deceivers, but we'll change. We'll be born again. We'll get a second chance at living our life in a righteous way, following after our Savior, Jesus. Lord, today, we need your help to do that. We always need your help, Lord. And we know According to your word, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, today you can help those ones that came just as they are from any services around the world today. Those that came just as they are, Lord, they can change. They can have the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And they can be delivered from their drugs, their alcohol, their satanic worship, or whatever they are involved in, Lord. Homosexuality, lying deceiving, gambling, and a whole bunch of other sins, Lord. But we're not going to stay that way because you're going to change us because your Holy Spirit has the power to do so. And with us submitting to him, we can become more like you every day of our life until we see you in heaven. Saved by grace alone, we want to do good works because of who you are and because we have fallen in love with you. Help us to fall deeper in love with Jesus today, Lord, as we hear from your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. For those that just tuned in online, I just want to introduce our church to you. You, you may have been just paging the Internet and ended up here, or you already know us. But anyway, you're listening to the Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. We're in South Florida. If you're local, uh, we're in Palm Beach County. If you're local, we're just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road, which is the border of Boynton Beach and Lantana. So, um, you know, come on by and see us. We, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., you know, and we do mostly expositional stu Bible studies. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 10, so take your Bibles out and get to that chapter uh, while I introduce us further. For those online, you just tuned in somehow. You're listening to F Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches again. And our website is freedomchurchpb, stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out all about us, where we're located, what we believe in, listen, listen to messages from, from the past, go to our ministry uh, information, and you can even donate online. Just go to the Give Life button, and uh, you can do that. 
Um, so we also meet on Thursday nights, and we are aired at 7.15. You know, so again, we're expositional Bible studies, mostly, sometimes topical. Um, but, you know, you can, you can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God. As I said earlier this morning, we're not just commanded to go to church. We're commanded to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is not, and I hope you would do so from the Lord, it is a command to study, show yourself approved unto God. So that's what we do here at Freedom Church. Um, you know, uh, if, you're, if we thank all you online that if you're overseas, if you're here in, in local or in the United States, we thank you for, for supporting us. And, and we give all the glory for it. We, we have a motto here, which is really a scripture that says, unless the Lord builds a house, we're going to labor in vain. And we're not going to build this house. God has been building it. And, you know, God's work is sometimes slower, but it is magnificent when he is done. So whatever God is doing with Freedom Church or anybody's perspective churches out of there, I'm sure it's a good thing as long as you're doing it for the Lord. So... Um, also, for if you're local, men, we meet here at, uh, Saturday morning at 9 a.m., so you're welcome to come to a men's Bible study Saturday morning every 9 a.m., and we have a great time. So, um, that's about, about it uh, for today, but if you got your Bibles out, you know, turn to Matthew uh, chapter 10. We did part of chapter 10 last week. We're going to start in the 24th verse today. We quit at, at 1 through um, 23. We were done with our Bible study. And today, you know, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And I have Theron passing out a new card like we did last week for the Bible study that we had. And it's going to, the title of this is, you know, and, and I, I, this, this chapter is full of stuff, you know, but I'm picking out, out of this message that Matthew has written, of 12 ways we are to be like Jesus, which kind of fit in with the way I prayed here this morning. If you come as you are, God does not expect you to stay as you are. And this is 12 ways that you're, you, can, you are to be like Jesus, 12 ways out of this chapter. And there's even more there. There's even more in this chapter. Like there is also seven reasons why, you, why you, we should, why persecute, why, oh, sorry. Jesus gives us not, tells us not to fear and gives us seven reasons why not to if you're persecuted. That's, we're not going to study that today, but the point is this chapter is deep. This chapter is very deep, but I find it the 12 ways that we're to be like Jesus more appropriate for our church and for the church as a whole around the world today, because I know we have people to listen in Nicaragua, India, I just saw on the map, you know, uh, South America, Central America, all through the eastern United States mostly. You know what? I, I don't know what's going on in your life. All I know is one thing is if you come as you are to Jesus, you will not stay as you are. Because, you know, I've been, I came as I was to Jesus 40, almost 45 years ago. And I'll tell you, my life began to change immediately. I mean, it didn't happen two weeks later. It happened as soon as I got home from work, you know. 
where I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. On this card, you, you have those 12 reasons, and I'm going to identify them hopefully a little more deeply for you as we, as we study. And the seven points, as you see, and I'll read it from the card here real quick, and we're going to go through each one slowly. Number one, you're to be like Jesus in righteousness. Number two, you're supposed to walk in the light as he walked in the light. Number three, you know, you have freedom from the world. You have been set free once you've come to Jesus Christ. Number, number four, you are, should endure pure persecution. We in the United States might be called a holy roller or, a, or a, bio, a Jesus freak or something stupid like that, but around the world, our, our sisters and brothers and children in the Lord are dying for Jesus. They're giving their very lives, and they're enduring persecution. There's also number five, unity with God. You're going to be united with Him. You're no longer going to be united with this stinking world. You're going to be united for the blessed aroma of God in your life. You know what? Number six, there's fruit. We expect, God expects us to use the fruit that He put, to make fruit, to give fruit, and to make fruit, which is to bring people into the kingdom, the plant seeds into their lives that someday they might be reaped for the white harvest. Number seven, self-crucifixion. That's what I said. If you come as you are, you're not going to stay as you are because you've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Number eight, walking in the newness of life. You can start over, church. Do you realize that? All you unbelievers out there, you can have a new start. You know, the government will give you a new start for opening a bank. You're going to be started going to prison. You're going to have a new start in prison. Or you can come to Jesus just as you are. You can have a new start and live your life over again, only this time for the righteousness of, of God in Christ. On top of that, you, be, you could, number nine is, you'll be totally set apart for God. Not partially, not somewhat, but totally set apart for God. And that's where American Christians and even the European Christians have a problem. They have not have been totally set apart anymore. They've waxed and waned over. They're almost post-Christianity in some countries. Totally set apart for God, not partially, totally. That means your body, your soul, your spirit are for God and God alone. Number 10, some people are afraid to do that, by the way. What will God do with me? Who, who cares, man? You might end up a missionary. You might end up a great preacher. You might end up, uh, 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 who knows, an evangelist. You might end up a successful businessman. Who knows? But God is running your life. Number 10, declaring and displaying the fullness of God. Not only do you use your mouth, but your life dictates it to you that you have the fullness of God. People can look at you as you display the characteristics and the fruit of Almighty God. You know, they say, who is this guy? What's different about you? And then you can tell them about the Lord. There's going to be works. Your works are going to change. You're going to do, right now you might be giving money to, who knows, some, some charity, but, but really not out of your heart. And now all of a sudden, you know, you'll be doing good works. Maybe you might be given to charities because now you want to. You want to because you want to serve the Lord God Almighty. And number 12, in your life and your conduct, you are to be more like Jesus. All that from this chapter 
And we've got more, you got more, we've got seven ways also that you could be to, uh, to fear not in this chapter. And there's more beyond that. Because I don't care what preacher you are. I don't care how scholarly you are. I don't care what all kind of education you have. The word, of God, the word of God is too deep to you to touch, for you to touch bottom. That's all there is to it. Because if you think you touched bottom, you better uh, look up. Because you haven't. The word of God is too deep for that. If, if I could define God with this measly mind that uses 10%, they say, of, of intellect of the brain... If I can divine God, you know, he wouldn't be much of a God. He's way beyond your comprehension. And he can do way beyond whatever you expect. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can raise you out of anything. He can raise you from the dead. He can raise you from drugs, alcohol, homosexuality, sodomy. All those kind of things. And don't shoot me. I'm just, the, I'm just the messenger. God's the one that says this stuff, not me. I've chosen as number one to live 12 ways to be like Jesus. Number one, to live a righteous life. So, J. Vernon McGee said this. I read it in his book. I heard him say it on the radio Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who's been with the Lord since the 90s, and I listen to him on the radio. Every time I hear him, I like him. But he's, some of him and my, his beliefs and my beliefs sometimes don't quite jive, but that's okay. He's my brother because he believes in Jesus, came, died, buried, and is risen. We are one. But he said this. No, the believer who has no desire to be holy has no right to think he's even a Christian. Whoa. I didn't say that. J. Vernon McGee said that, and I agree with him, though. I believe that's what the Word of God says, too. The believer who has no desire to be holy, to come as you are, but stay as you are, you have no right to believe you're a Christian because your life should change. Jesus said in John 7, or John 3, verse 5 and 7, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That means you have a start-over point, a new start-over point. The disciple, let me read verse 24 and 25. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them who are of his household? <laughs> you know what? If you're a disciple of Jesus, you know, and you're a servant of him, if they called him a devil, they're going to call you a devil. That's what Jesus is saying here. Beelzebub is the Philistine god of flies, which also is listed in Second Kings. You know, I've... I, I left out the chapter, I think it's chapter 14. The Jews changed it to Beelzebub, the dung god. The dung, D-U-N-G. Or dung. Listen, it is a vow idol. And it identified with the prince of demons. If you remember right, I did a study years ago called the Gates of Nehemiah, the Twelve Gates of Nehemiah. One of them was the Dung Gates. And I believe it was in the south, south uh, west part of 
of the city. And what they did is that was the garbage dump. That's where they, you know, took all the donkey and, and horse dung out, and they put their garbage in there. And it was a god where it was a place where all flies are flying around all over the place because of all the, the deterioration of dead things and dung and dog poop and, and cow poop and horse poop and all that kind of stuff. It was, a, it was a called that. And here they're identifying Jesus as a devil. I don't know about you, but when I was first saved, I was accused of one of my family to having a devil because I preached the God that loves. I remember one person said, you're, you're, uh, you, read, you, you quit reading Hustler and Playboy magazines. Well, yeah, yeah. I wasn't about to stay as I was. I knew I was a crummy person. I needed some change. And God offered that change. And I changed. I came as I was, but I didn't stay as I was, and I'm never going to. And I always pray, Lord, I can't do it on my own, but your Holy Spirit can help me. Because if with your Holy Spirit there, I can do all things through Christ. And Christ is, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Jesus is, he challenges them in chapter uh, 8. Oh, no, he challenged them. He says, uh, Jesus challenged the scribes and the Pharisees. In John chapter 8, four, verse 46, he says this to the scribes and Pharisees, which one of you convicts me of sin? He actually said, okay, point out my sin, guys. And they couldn't do it. Did you know that? They couldn't do it. They couldn't give an answer. But you know what they did? If you went to the 41st verse of chapter 8 of John, here's what they said to Jesus. We were not born out of fornication. We have one Father God. You know what that was against? You know what they did? They just attacked Mary, the mother of Jesus. They already knew. They knew they figured that Mary, being a virgin, given virgin birth to Christ, okay, they were accusing her of fornication, his mother. So, you know, I can't blame you, but I'll blame mom. You know, even today, if you tell a joke to somebody about their mom or cut down somebody's mom, they want to deck you in the mouth or slap you in the face. You attack my mom. They attacked Jesus' mom, Mary, here, saying she was a prostitute. That's what they were saying. These guys are vile. They're vicious. They're going to attack Jesus. They want to kill Jesus. That's all there is to it. You know why? And he, but he accused them. Which one of you accuses me of sin or unrighteousness? And they couldn't do it. So they had to attack mom and accuse her. There was obviously some kind of uh, hearsay going around that she, uh, she had a baby out of wedlock. But the scriptures are very clear. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7. It says, A virgin shall be with child, and she, bear, you know, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You know, they didn't even believe Isaiah in the scriptures. They're, they're a mess. This is the Word of God, church. It was written over 1,400 years by 40 different, 40 different authors, all of them saying the same thing. Most of them was, were not even contemporaries of one another. Over 13, 14, 1,500 years this was written, different people saying the same thing. From Genesis to Revelation, you see the blood cord of Jesus Christ all the way through. This is the Word of God. It is accurate. And these teachers weren't just kings and prophets. They, they, were, they were just farmers and other people. They, they just 
they were local people. They weren't, hey, high and mighty. Some of them were, like David. Some of them weren't. Some like Samuel. Here. They attacked Mary. So they're still denying his deity. Unbelievable how far they will go. Here's what the scriptures say about righteousness. Okay, 1 John 3, 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil. That's what John tells us. 1 Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.15, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, so that you will be your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. You know, righteousness points to holiness. You can find more scripture. Since you interpret scripture by scripture, you can write down 2 Peter 3.11, John 15.10-14, Ephesians 1.4, Ephesians 5.27, and there are many more. Number Point number two of the 12 ways you are to be like Jesus is you are to walk in the light. You are to walk in the light. Let me read you that verse 27. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the mountains. 1 John is telling us to walk in the light and preach the light to the world. Now, 1 John 1, 7. But if you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. If you say you have no sin, you are, you are deceived. The truth is not in you. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. If you walk in the light, you will change. You will come as you are, but you will not stay as you are. That's all there is to it. And if you're exactly like the person that you were 25 years ago when you accepted Jesus, what makes you think you even are a Christian? You should be changed. Your parents should not even recognize you. Your children should not recognize you if you changed and they knew you prior to that. Your friends won't know you. I know I had friends say that to me. What has happened to you? I could never do that. I could never stand up for Jesus. And if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. That's all there is to it. If you're not ashamed of him, he'll give you the power, the dynamite power of God to you in your life. John 9, 4 and 5. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Listen, do you realize what John is telling us as he writes from the Holy Spirit? He's telling you, night is coming. Listen, I don't know if you see it, but since I was a young boy and seeing the world today and seeing the world then, it is not getting brighter. It's getting darker. And John is telling us, 
You know, night is coming. I believe night is already here, kids. It's almost daybreak. It's almost daybreak when the Lord comes back in the clouds and shines over the entire world. And He, and he uh, brings the light with Him, a glorious light that no man have ever seen before. We are to walk in the light as He is in the light. And then we have fellowship with one another and fellowship with God the Father. Number three, 12 ways we are to be like Jesus is freedom from the world. Let me read to you verse 28. Verse 28. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. According to the Word of God, we are to have only a light grip on this world. Once you became a Christian, you're to have a light lip, uh, grip on this world. You might have had a greater grip on the world, you know, uh, before you met Jesus, but now you have a lesser grip on the world and a tighter grip on the Lord God Almighty because you're the light of the world. According to the Word of God, we are to have only a light grip. 1 John 2. 15 and 16, if you don't know this verse, you need these verses, you need to memorize them. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. For the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, it is from the world. You are to have a light grip on this world and not love this world because the lust of your eyes and the boastful pride of life and the lust of your flesh gravitates towards the world and makes you grip on harder to the world. We need to get away from it. Even Paul adds to John's information by saying in John 12, 1, I urge you, therefore, as, as brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You are to, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And you know that word living is very, very clear here because living sacrifices love to get off the altar to where he's going to be slain. If you'll notice, then when Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah and God told him to slay, slay his son, He went up there to worship, and that's exactly what he did when he went up there to worship. His worship was exactly this. He was submitting his will to God's will because he didn't want to slay his son. He submitted his will to God's will. And if you come to Jesus as you are, you will not stay as you are. James 4.4, 4, friendship with the world is what? You remember what that word is? Hostility, that's right, hostility. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. So if you love this world and you're a friend of this world, you are an enemy of God. If you read that verse completely more, you would find out you're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. Who wants to be an enemy of God? I don't know about you, but I don't. I love the Lord God with all my heart, but I fear Him too. 
You know what? He's able to throw my body and soul in hell. Somebody calls you a Jesus freak, isn't No way. Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brethren. You were called to freedom. You weren't supposed to be in bondage to this world. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin for, for your flesh. That's, that's what it goes on to say, First uh, Galatians 5.13. And even our scripture verse that for this church is, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. You were in bondage to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, lust, pornography, lying, cheating, stealing, deceiving, all kind of other sins. You know what? He said, I called you to freedom. You're enchained by sins. You're enchained. You're a slave to sin. Paul says he's a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to be. And that's what you should want to be. Because if you come to Jesus just as you are, you will not stay as you are. You are the light of the world. John 15, 19 says this, If you were of this world, the world would love its own. But you're not of this world, are you? I hope not. I hope none of you are, and uh, you know, uh, let's see, not of this world. Paul says, I'm not of this world. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. These chains don't mean anything to me. He says, I'm chained, but the gospel isn't chained. Take your, take your gospel home and give it to somebody. You know what? Go to the bathroom at at uh, the mall and stick it on the toilet paper roll or something. I used to do that too, and I, it wasn't so crazy. I passed out a hundred and some thousand trucks, and we made them up for, for that and paid for them and passed them out. I used to put them in the witches' hands when I walked into Gimbal's, you know, when they had Halloween and the witches standing there with a basket out. I, I put tracks in there. You think I'm crazy? The world thinks I'm crazy, but God, I'm sure He doesn't think I'm crazy. I got saved on a track. It was an important part. A fellow walked into the church. One of the men here last week walked into the church. He had that same exact track that I got saved on, only it was in Spanish. But I recognized the cover right away, and I said to him, I said, that's the track that God really drove it home with me that made me accept the Lord and for the, with other things. I had dreams, too. And the, the thing in that pamphlet was, in that little track, it was a chick track. It was about that big, you know, rectangular. And it was said, Creator or Liar was the name of it. I read the whole track. And then uh, I go to work the next day, and the guy asked me if I read it. I says, yeah, I read it. He says, well, what, what do you think? I says, well, the part that gets me, and it really got convicted because you know, I said, I, he said, did you read the 33, um, 33 prophecies that were fulfilled when Christ, on the day Christ died? And I said, yeah. He said, you know what's interesting about that? I said, what? He said, half of those were fulfilled after he died. And boy, the Holy Spirit just fell on me like I couldn't know what the conviction. And I said, if he's, if he's dead, how could he control the guys gambling for his 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 vesture and how could they be casting lots I'm, I don't know I'm, I said he must be alive then right that's a, a good assumption and boy I'll tell you what I know he's alive 
and he's well, and he's here today because we prayed earlier before the church service, and we invited him here, even though we know he's here. We want him to know that he has his right away here and that we want to hear what the Holy Spirit says, not just this ear and out that ear, but in here, whiz around, do, do the thing that needs to be done to be delivered from our sin. Point number four, 12 ways to be like Jesus, enduring persecution, or endure persecution, verse 26. We're going to jump up a couple verses because I'm bouncing around here because it fits better. Therefore, if you do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Here's what Mark says in 10. 29 and 30. Truly Jesus said, No one who has left his father or his mother or brothers or sisters or farms for my namesake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now and in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and farms along with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. You know what? I speak as one that has lost a lot of its family because, because I'm a Christian. I'm going to tell you what, all you are my brothers and sisters. And you know what they claim? You love them more than me or us. And that's not true. But I do. I love, and I've been given brothers and sisters that I would have never come across had I continued in my way of life. None of you in this room I would even know if I didn't come to know Christ. Same with you. And you are all my brothers and sisters. I, I, we wouldn't know one another, most of us. You might be married to somebody, yes, all the time. And you, they, yeah, they, you both got saved at the same time. But I had people walk through my life and I threw theirs that, you know, I will never, ever forget. And I would have never met them if it wasn't for my Savior Jesus. So God fulfilled this in my life. I didn't get a farm. You know what? I don't even want a farm. I do have, I do grow different herbs out in the backyard. <laughs> That's about it. You know what? But what if they do make fun of you? What if they do, you know, persecute you and ostracize you? Well, Luke tells us in chapter 6 and verse 22, blessed are you when they hate you and ostracize you and insult you for my name's sake. Be glad. Jump in that day and leap for joy for great is your reward in heaven. You know what? I love them with all my heart. My family that has turned away from me because of being a Christian. They thought it was a fad. It's 45 years coming up. That's a fad. It wasn't a fad. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know what? Your reward's great in heaven. You stand up for to them. You, because the, someday they must, might turn around and come to God. I've seen a lot of them do that and a lot not do that. Believers are not the fear men. We're not the fear men at all nor devils. Christians, a lot of Christians are afraid of devils. A devil's a devil. He's already been defeated at the cross. It's common knowledge. It's written in his book a hundred times. The devil's defeated. The only, only 
only opportunity he has is to come against you is if you give it to him. Then you've got a problem. He's going to use it against you. Jesus disarmed the enemy, according to uh, Colossians. You know, he disarmed the enemy, but if you give him ammunition, he's going to shoot it at you. That's just all there is to it. You are more valuable than the sparrow, says verse 29 and 31. Let me read it. You are, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will. But you, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do you not, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You're of more value than many sparrows. You know, who's God going to stick up with? The devil or you? You're a believer. You took on Jesus' name when you accepted him. And, you know, you think that God's going to stand up for the devil who rejected him and tried to overthrow God and the kingdom of heaven? He's not going to side with the devil. There's absolutely no chance, there's 100% no chance that, the, that God is going to side with the devil. He's going to side with you because you are a believer especially because you know the Word of God and you can use those, those, these passages as swords of the Spirit that just slay the enemy. Number five of 12 ways to be like Jesus is to be uni have unity with God. Verse 25b, the second part of it. It is enough for the disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? What he's talking about here in the second part of that verse is us unbelievers. If, he, if he, the devil attacked Jesus and the world attacked Jesus, they, they're going to attack us. The devil's going to attack us. You have the ammunition. 31,102 verses in here are all swords that you can use against the devil. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. He used the Word of God. And he didn't take it out of context like Satan did. You can use it. So, so you, you, know, um, you can defeat him. And also, um, you know, the uh, men, too. You have authority over men. You have been called master of the house. How much more shall they call them of his household. You are of the household of God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than, than be part of this world. I don't care about you. I want to get to heaven. I'd like to have some crowns to throw before my Lord because of what he did for me, shed his precious blood. Think about it. You think about what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you make yourself sick or cry. That was your place. He took it for you and for me. John 17, 11. I am no longer in this world. This is the words of Jesus. This is the, this is the, the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17. Not, not Matthew chapter 5. That is a sample prayer for us to learn from and for us to do. This is Jesus' prayer. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep them from your, in your name, the name which you have given me, 
that they may be one as we are one. Whoa. Jesus prayed that you and I would be one with him and the Father. You are one with him and the Father. You have to be unified with him. You do what he tells you to do, not what you want to do, not what some other people tell you to do. You do what the Word of God tells you to do. You are, you are unified in oneness with God Almighty. Listen to John first. Jesus goes on in verse 21 of John 17, that they may be one as we are one. Again, he repeats it. That they will also be in us. You are in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. The glory you have given me, Jesus has given to you. Wow. Wow. That they may be one again three times. We're supposed to be one with that in the Lord's Prayer alone. You are one with God. Would God, since you're one with God, would God want you going to a prostitute? Would God want you to lie? Would God want you to take drugs? No. The answer is no to all that. Number six of 12 ways to be like Jesus. Fruit of the Spirit, verse 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in the world. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before the Father who is in heaven. Fruit. John 15, 11 through 13. We're going to read that real quick. John 15. Eleven through thirteen, the first part of thirteen. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Listen, Jesus is saying that he wants to give you fruit, that you might have joy. And you might have joy to the fullness. You know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is for a moment. Joy is in your heart. You could be unhappy that somebody just changed you to a wall and put you in jail. But it doesn't affect joy. Because in your heart, you can have joy of the Lord. And then he goes on. So you not, not only do you have the fruit of joy, but you have the fruit of love. Because it says, this is a commandment that I give you, that I love one another, that you love one another. John 15. Let me pull that verse up again. No longer. 15. Oh, John 15, verse 15b. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. And if you went to John chapter 13, Jesus gives us a new commandment in verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. By the love you have one for another. That's important. You know, you 
have the fruit of the Spirit. You were willing to lay down, just like Jesus, he laid down his life for you. You are willing to lay down the life that God gave you at your birth to live for him. You gave up your life that you might gain life and live for him. You gave up your life for him. And therefore, you know what the greatest commandment is, or the greatest thing is, is to nobody has greater love than this that one should lay down his life for another. You laid down your life for Jesus. And there's no greater love than that. And that is true fruit. True fruit. Number 7 of 12, self-crucifixion. Verse 38. No, I've got to go back. Verse 38. And he who does not take the cro- his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You know the verse. If you don't know it, memorize it. Galatians 2.20. So that when you want to smoke that joint or or take this drug or read this dirty magazine, that you might you might say, "Hey, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me who live." You're a Christian. You've been crucified with Christ to that. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ lives in you. And the cross. He said, take up your cross. And I always say all the time, cross is an instrument of death. When you took that cross up to follow Jesus, and he says, you have to take up your cross and follow him. If you don't, you're not worthy of him according to this verse. You've got to take up your cross and follow him. An instrument of death, that means you're going to die. Every day of your life, you are dying to self. You should be. The cross is an instrument of death, yet you wear it around your neck. Huh? Death? You wear death around your neck? No. No. You see it as love, don't you? Because Christ laid down his life for you. That cross is no longer a symbol of death because Jesus changed it around. It now means love. I loved you so much, and I demonstrated to you so much that I love you that I gave up my life for you. You must pick up this cross if you haven't believer out there over the Internet. You must... Pick up this cross. You must be crucified on it. You must die to yourself. You must be born again, not of the flesh through your mother, but of the Spirit through God. You must give up your life and let Jesus live it in you. You know what? Look back at your life. Did you do such a good job after all? Could you have done better? If you did, don't you think God could have done better for you? Even if you're a multimillionaire, who cares about money? Money's going to perish with you. You're going to go to your kids. Money's going to go to your kids, or, or your, your neighbors are going to fight over it, or your family's going to fight over it, and they're going to end up in, with big problems because they don't know how to handle money, and before you know it, they'll be bankrupt, and drug addicts are, are just, just a mess. What are you saving it for? Who needs $100 billion anyhow? Who needs this? You must give up your life and let Christ live it, live his life in you. Then you'll do his work. You'll do his bidding. You will be his bondservant. He will use you to plant seeds in people's lives and reap the souls of men for eternal life because you were willing to be crucified. 
because you had no greater love than this, that you laid down your life for Jesus. Every one of you that accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have laid down your life, not for a man, but for Jesus Christ himself. Do you see that deeper truth in that verse? It's deeper than you, a lot of people even imagine. Number eight of 12 ways to be like Jesus, walking in the newness of life. Verse 39, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will, for my sake will find it. Jesus is telling you, you know, if you, if you continue in your life, living your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you live for him, you're going to gain life. That's why when you were born again, you can, now you can see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you will not even be able to see the kingdom of heaven, not less enter it. Listen, but you're, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to walk in a newness of life. If you read Romans chapter 6, you've got to read the whole chapter. Believers, here's the theme of that chapter. Believers are dead to sin and alive to God. You gave up your sin. You, you came to God. Galatians 5.16 again, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit of God. That's what we're supposed to walk in. A lot of Christians aren't walking in the Spirit. They're walking in the flesh. They don't even hear the Spirit of God half the time. I don't know about you, but I want to hear the Spirit of God. Even a lot of times it might be a, a conviction. A lot of times it might be a, I love you or a thank you or, or some beautiful thing. You've been given a new life. You know the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, any man being Christ, he is a new creature. You could come as you are, but you're not, you're not going to stay as you are. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new because you're a Christian. You're a new creature. Your family should not recognize you. One day you were a drunk, an alcoholic, a pervert, and now you're a, a God person chasing after Jesus, going to church, taking communion, preaching the gospel, reading Bibles, and a whole bunch of other things. You should be changed. You come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. If you stay as you are, as Jane Vernon McGee has said, and I agree with him, as I said before, what makes you think that you are a Christian if you don't desire any holiness or to walk in the newness of life with Christ? What makes you think so? I have a whole theology, and I've heard this from other pastors. They say they, they would be... They, they, they think a lot of the people in their churches that claim to be Christians are not. They walk out the door and they're the same person they were when they came in. Maybe there's some little changes. There's got to be change. And if you're really hungry, if you really love God, why did Paul serve Jesus so completely? You know why? Because he was forgiven much. You think, oh, I'm not such a bad person. I'm going to tell you, that one little sin crucified Christ. You're just as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer because you're a sinner. If you, if, you, if you fail on one point of the law, you are guilty of all. Therefore, you need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And He's the only one. So don't think... You should have that, that sin. I'm a, I, tell, I told a little white lie. It should break your heart. 
that should break your heart because you love Jesus so much. I'm, I'm not just preaching to you, church. I'm preaching to moi here. If you were crucified with Christ and you took up your cross and followed him, then you gave up your life for others. You gave up your life for Jesus. And you received eternal life as a reward. What? You have maybe, let's say you're 55 years old. God says that you might have 70, 80 years if you're strong. So you got 15 to 25 years. You know what? Look at the mess you made in the prior life. What good did the money turn out anyhow? It just made your kids uh, think they deserve it. They don't deserve it. We don't deserve nothing because we're sinners. Christ gives us everything. He even knows when a sparrow falls from the tree. He knows not just how many hairs are on your head, but if you go to Greek, it says he knows the condition of each strand. Now tell me, who do you know that can do that? It's God. This makes you a disciple following Christ, a learner, a believer, a follower, and a, and a disciple of him. Number nine of 12, total setting apart for God. Verse 35 and 36, and then verse 39. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Go down to the 39th verse. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. I thought he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because it was peace. And he was bringing peace to man. But now that he's gone, the sword has come out. This is the sword of the double-edged sword, the one I have in the closet that I bring out all the time, that double-edged sword that's living and it's active and it's sharper than any sword that ever existed. And it cuts through the bone and through the marrow and right into your heart. This is the sword he's talking about. Not a sword to go out and slay your daughter-in-law and brother-in-law and all those people. No, he's talking about a sword that gives life and not takes life. You understand that? You've got to catch the, well, the, glimpse, the glimpse of what God's doing. The sword of the Spirit is one that gives life and not takes life. Verse 35 and 36, well, we read the verse, but how many of you are experiencing this right now where you're, where you're, here it goes. He came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I don't know about you, but me and Liz are experiencing this right now. And I know a lot of you here, and I know you're, you're experiencing it right now yourselves. There's a sword. You're experiencing it, but God's going to help you out through it. That double-edged sword is going to cut through sooner or later because it's going to bring life. And those that think they're Christians may not be a Christian. I told the men yesterday at the men's Bible study, you know what, when I was a little boy, 
there was this lady, I was probably eight, ten years old, you know, and there was this lady, she was very tall and thin, and she used to walk past mom and dad's house and me, we'd be playing in the yard there or sitting on the porch, and she would walk by every morning and every afternoon coming back. And I wondered, you know, as I got older, you know, who she was, and then my parents told me she was just, she was a, a Catholic that went to church every morning on the Catholic church. And she was just a godly woman. She was seeking God. And uh, as when I got older, she's still doing the same thing. But then I went into business. I actually built a sign shop across the street from where my mom and dad lived. And she never walked the streets anymore. A friend of mine that I worked with worked for me. Went, he said, hey, hey, Joe, he says, I, I have a lady who needs a job as a secretary. I said, he said, do you need a secretary? I said, yes, I do. Somebody answer the phones and take messages and open to keep the, the doors open while I'm out on a job somewhere. And she, he sent her down. And wouldn't you know it was the same lady <laughs> that walked by my, my house every day when I was a kid. Only this time, she was in the same church that I was in. It was a big church of 22,000 or so. I never, never saw her. But she came down, I hired her on the spot. And she worked for me for five years until I stole the company. And she said to me, there's one thing I appreciate about you, Joe. She said, you never asked me to lie for you. She noticed. I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't tell her to lie for me, especially because she's a Christian and I'm a Christian. At least you can get, you could try to clean up your lives. The things you used to do or would have done, you won't do anymore because it's not right. If God sent you, then you will speak his words. Here's what you're going to display. You're going to declare his, his, the fullness of God. Did I tell you I'm on point number 10? I just turned the page. Point number 10, declaring and displaying the fullness of God. I just carried away in the spirit here. <laughs> anyway, declaring and displaying the fullness of God, point number 10. He that receiveth you receives me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him who sent me. So if they receive you, they receive Jesus, and then Jesus, they receiving God, the Father. Not just Jesus the Son, but God the Father. Beloved, says John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, you, we are children of God, and it has not appeared to us as to what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. You're going to be like him. It'd be like him whenever he showed up in, on, on Resurrection Sunday in the room with the disciples, all but Thomas. He showed up in a room. And that was it. No the doors were barred. The windows were barred. There's Jesus. You're going to be like him. You're going to be like him. And then eight days later, which was a Sunday night, Thomas was in the room. Jesus appears again, walking through doors or however he did it. And he goes right up to Thomas and says, Thomas, put your fingers in your hands into my, uh, your uh, fingers into my hands and your hand into my side, and be not unbelieving but believing. And see if I'm not flesh and bone. You notice he didn't say flesh and blood anymore. He said flesh and bone. Now after we're our blood, blood is what gives you life, and it's the one that calls out to God. You're calling out to God through the Spirit and through the blood. 
Because the very blood of Abel spoke to God. The very blood of Christ quaked the earth and the thunder shushed. The thunder and the lightning and the temple veil. And people walked out of the graves on the third day with Jesus walked out of the grave in Jerusalem. And they were seen going through the city. Judge Paul, or Jesus tells us, John, or Matthew tells us, and John, and that John's gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 and 30 through 39. I love this verse. On the last day of the great feast, Jesus took, stood, and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his belly or from his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were about to receive. They didn't receive him yet. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Why? We're his hands and his feet in this world, church, whether you like it or not. We are to declare and display His fullness to the world. We are commanded to. And we're commanded, according to Mark, that, the, that, to, that these signs will accompany those who believe in Jesus' name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll drink deadly poison, and it shall not hurt them. He'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, we are his hands and his feet. We have to believe when we pray. We have to tell people. Well, you know what? I said it a few times. The angels would love to have the opportunity to preach Jesus all through the earth. But God's given that commission to us. And point number 10 here is to declare his fullness and display his fullness to the world. And we need to get about our business. And then Jesus said in John chapter 14, Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall also do. And greater works. Greater works. And here got preachers saying, I don't believe God can heal. God doesn't heal today. I'm, I'm sorry, they, he does heal today. You know, if you don't believe it, it ain't going to happen. It's just all there is to it. You need to declare it. You need to declare it. And greater works, first of all, I think we are doing the greater works. The greater work is not the blind seeing. It's the spiritually blind seeing. In other words, it's bringing people into the kingdom. That's the greater work. But there's other works, too. I know people that were healed. Many people over the years. So, the miracles didn't stop when the apostles died. I'm sorry, that's all there is to it. You can check, you can check um, history out and find out. And I mentioned, I mentioned, um, what's his name? Let's see. Anyway, anyway, you go three, four hundred years out, and there's still miracles being done, although they weren't a lot of the intensity of the first miracles when. The 12 were sent out, which we did, I think, last week. Number 11 of 12 ways is works. Verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, 
he shall not by no means lose his reward. You know, if you went to Matthew chapter 25, verse 30 through 34, then I'm not going to read the whole thing because we're running out of time. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. If you did it to the least of these brothers of mine, even you even did it unto me. Works is so important. Somebody walks in the door here today and, and, and wants some food. We're, we're supposed to, to do good works and give them food. You give them food or water, a bottle of water and or two bottles of water, whatever, and you walk out the door. You didn't only do it to that street person who may have been an angel or may have been the Lord himself. You did it unto Jesus, even if it was just a normal, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate person. You did it to Jesus. We need to pay attention to that, you know, because there are angels. People come into our lives. We are to be like him. Because that's what it says. Someday we are going to be like him. We're going to be, be just like Jesus. And you will be rewarded for your compassion because you did it to the least of these, the homeless, the widows, the orphans, the hungry, the thirsty. And John says this in 1 John four seventeen: By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in the world. In other words, you're going to be rewarded for that. You believe it? You give out a glass of water or a cup of water to a stranger and God rewards you? What an honor. Number 12 of 12 ways we are to be like Jesus. Life and life ending conduct. Verse 42, again, the second part. I say to you, verily, I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And then John clarifies it further in his first epistle. In chapter 2 and verse 6, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That means you walk in the life that he, the new life that he has given to you, and you, you're going to be like him someday, so it might not start and practice now. In conduct, we need to be like him. And what is, what, how did Jesus walk? Let's just think about this real quick, and I'll end it here. He was kind, he was a servant, he was committed, but he was bold too. He was faithful, he was wise, he was fearless, he didn't fear those Jews who were trying to kill him, not for not in the least. He didn't even care about Caiaphas or or uh, or what's his name, uh, Pilate. He didn't even care about Pilate. Pilate even said, "You know, don't you know that I have the authority to crucify you? You have no authority over me if it wasn't given to by given to you by God." You know, he was fearless, and we need to be fearless too. And fearless means don't fear the devil and don't fear man. And do good. He did good always. And he was loving and forgiving and humble and compassionate and gentle. And he had self-control. He was patient, obedient, honest, and he was even prayerful. And that's the way we're supposed to be in our life and in our conduct. 
Hey, there's a lot here today, church. You know, I always tell everybody, there's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. A preacher takes a rifle shot, and he puts it right into the bullseye. But a, a, a teacher gets up here, and he has a shotgun. And boy, that shotgun, by the time it gets halfway through this church, it's fanned out this much. You take what has hit you today, and you apply it in your life, and you'll become more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you and give you glory. To you be the honor and the praise and the glory, Lord. Speak to us all and make us more like Jesus as we go from this place. We want to be, Lord, but our flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. We pray that our spirit grab a hold of us and we go forth in the spirit and not in the flesh. And to you be the glory for it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. Come next Sunday, 10 a.m.